Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken, I'm joining me in the studio as always. It's the co-host, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of entertainment, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us up on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. You can find the links to all our social media accounts and join in that conversation. Hit us up, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH, because we have a lot to discuss this episode. Mm-hmm. Dare I say the biggest story breaking is Disney Plus finally arrived. Breaking the internet, almost literally. So, Pad, why don't you break it down for us? Sure. Well, of course, Disney Plus is, of course, the streaming service coming from the folks at the Walt Disney Company. It is the long-anticipated, highly-anticipated streaming service that will feature the Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, Pixar, Disney, uh, Fox, uh, National Geographic, among a host of many other things. It's been highly anticipated. A lot of people excited for it. Excited for it so much so that there was a long, good period of time uh, when it launched on the 12th of November that you could not get into it. You know, so much so that uh, it, Disney reported that over 10 million subscribers signed up for Disney Plus on the first day of its operation. And then the app, well, mobile app, was downloaded 3.2 million times within the first 24 hours of the streaming service's launch. Now, the 10 million uh, subscribers, that's not counting anybody else who sub, uh, signed up for it. You know, when that option was first available. Mm -hmm. So there's easily over there. There's obviously well more than 10 million subscribers because it was open to the United States, if not also Canada and Mexico. So there's a lot of people. It definitely is. And obviously worth the hype. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. So to see it finally come to fruition. Dare I say, did it live up to expectations? Absolutely. Um, there is there's a lot on there to start with. It's not everything. You know, there's some Marvel movies missing. There's some there's a couple Star Wars movies missing. You know, there's some missing Disney movies and some other stuff, but it's still a lot. You know, obviously the first thing I watched was The Mandalorian, which we'll get to in the next segment. But after I got to that, it was honestly a little bit and I don't mean this in a bad way. It was a little overwhelming to figure out what I wanted to watch next because Gargoyles is on there and, and Boy Meets World is on there. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of other cartoons from, the, you know, the original Darkwing Duck is on there and the original DuckTales is on there. You know, there's so much on there that I'm like, oh, my God, I've wanted to watch this for years, but I just di- either didn't want to spend the money to purchase it or there wasn't a legal venue for me to go through to watch this. Where do I start? It's the one thing about Disney Plus that we said numerous times and we'll reiterate yet again. For everything they were promising, they had to deliver. And obviously the price point of seven ninety nine a month is six ninety nine or six ninety nine. I keep saying seven ninety nine, I don't know why, because I'm probably thinking something else. Either way. The price point of six ninety nine. It's a steal. It's a steal for what you get. And for everything that they give you from Pixar, from mm-hmm. Marvel, from Star Wars, Nat Geo. It really makes it worth your time and effort to go get this because yeah. the argument is with the change of streaming services dominating over cable, is this going to be the future of how we view media? Maybe. You have to think that at this point. And obviously, Disney Plus is setting a big benchmark. Mm-hmm. So much so that Netflix came out and announced a partnership with uh, Nickelodeon, the, t- the television channel, that they're going to be creating more 
uh, movies like they did with Invader Zim and then Rocco's Modern Life this year. Mm -hmm. They will be creating more uh, original content based off of old cartoons they used to have. So right now you've got the three main family networks in Disney Channel. It's on Disney Plus. Cartoon Network is going to be on HBO Max. And now Nickelodeon, which is going to be on Netflix, all on streaming service. So if you like kids are kind of the driving force when it comes to, you know, cable television and what you see and what you do. You've got the three major, you know, family networks on some form of streaming service. That kind of is like, all right, you want to see where things are going. There you go. It is a very telling point, And obviously they're gearing for kids. Everybody is trying to get their brand up to where is going to be worth your dollar. Yeah. Because now it's going to get a point where you're not going to be able to get every streaming service if you're going to have cable. If right. you get rid of cable completely, then maybe you can. But is it really worth it? And then what happens to live TV and what goes in this? Disney Plus gives you so much content, it does replace a lot of the TV programming you would normally look for. Mm-hmm. And it's very telling of what they're offering. I mean, their backlog of uh, cartoons is, an, is enough alone. Oh, yeah. And dare I say, the first thing I watched was X-Men. I, I don't fault you there. Uh, the first thing I watched after I watched Mandalorian was uh, Gargoyles, just because it's a great TV series. And Greg Weissman, uh, one of the show's producers on it, said, hey, if you want more Gargoyles, we're willing to do it. Go watch the series and and you know keep the, ha- the trend going. And obviously so, because now you're getting a chance to relive a lot of shows that you forgot about. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about going deep diving into Disney's vault, because for here, you definitely deep dive. Oh, and yeah. You can get lost in some of the content. Oh, yeah. Offer. And I got to say, one of the smart things they did is you can search by, you know, there, there's a thing if you go into the search tab, you can you can look at specifically the princess movies. You can look at specifically Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. But then the, the great thing I think they did, and this is something that, I can't believe nobody else has thought of it because, but maybe nobody else had the ability to. There's a feature where you can look at Disney through the decades, and if you want to watch something from the Disney from Disney that they have the rights to from the 1940s, you can scroll down to the 1940s and look for something. It's a great feature that I really like. It's an interesting feature, and they do offer you a lot. And plus, they're offering more content to the original programming you're witnessing. Mm-hmm. The big thing that I've been hearing about a lot is when you watch Avengers Endgame, you now see the mystery bonus scene yep. that is involving Tony Stark's now older daughter. Yeah, and I got to say, I watched that deleted scene. I'm kind of glad they didn't put it in the movie just because the chemistry for me wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Well, there was only so much you could add to Endgame yeah. that they didn't do. Yeah. I mean, I know there was the kneeling scene, like the bow to the king, Yeah, which I'm glad they left out because yeah. that was just They're not weird. there. It was, it was just weird for me. But they did. They tampered with that a little bit, and obviously it, it adds something to diehard fans of the movie, and there is quite a many of them mm-hmm. out there with Avengers Endgame. The other one that I thought was kind of interesting was with A New Hope from Star Wars. Yeah. So do you want to break down on that? Yeah, so everyone, of course, is familiar with the changes made to A New Hope. There's numerous of them, and fans like them, fans don't. Uh, they added yet another change to Star Wars A New Hope in where it's the scene in the cantina where Han... Uh, meets Greedo mm-hmm. and Greedo's looking for him from for because Jabba the Hutt's looking for him because he just dumped the uh, shipment that Jabba was having him send and Jabba's not happy you know they changed it again where I think that if I'm not mistaken they added more smoke to when the blaster fire goes off but then they added a line where Greedo says Macaulay Macaulay mm-hmm. something like that which people are up in arms about it. and I'm like Guys, it's a word. Who gives a yeah. you know? Who gives a you know what? But you know that fan base. You're one of the biggest members of them. Yeah, but like the thing of it is, is is it? 
I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm young. I, you know, I don't get upset about it. I sit in here going, okay, mm-hmm. fine. It, you know, it's a word. Like, if it was something that altered the way you looked at the movie and and changed the way the movie played out, okay. But at the end of the day, who cares? It's a it's a movie. Like, oh, I I grant you, but I'm just saying, knowing that fan base, you yeah, know, you know that you'll I'll, get a reaction. Like say that. the one they the, the change they made to it though that did surprise me is is when they put out the Star Wars films digitally couple of years ago everyone was kind of curious oh what are they going to do because they had the rights to disney had the rights to everything but a new hope uh fox owned the rights to that like forever mm-hmm. so people are kind of curious oh i wonder what's going to happen with the opening title sequence because there was the 20th century fox fanfare my understanding and i haven't gotten around to watching it on disney plus yet my understanding is because they, so what they did in the digital re, uh, releases was they put out they just it just kind of cold open like you've seen in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. From what I've heard and what I've read, they've put the 20th Century Fox fanfare back in with the uh, original six movies, which I'm kind of I got to go double check. It'd be kind of cool to see that again. It's going to be something interesting to see, and obviously. If they're tampering, and I don't mean that in a bad sense, but they're trying to add more to the nostalgia factor. Yeah. It can be hit or miss. I mean, obviously, when you touch around Star Wars, the less you really mess around with it, the better. I mean, studies and, and stuff have been done with the 20th Century Fox fanfare, whether you've seen Star Wars or not, whether you've seen one movie or you've seen all of them. You play that fanfare and you ask people, go, what movie's playing? Nine times out of ten, people are going to go, Star Wars? Mm-hmm. I know I've done that at the movie theaters going, oh, don't we see a Star Wars movie? Oh, darn, that's not. Right. So obviously the benchmark is set high. So when Disney Plus is doing this, mm-hmm. they really have to nail it with a with a home run. This yeah. is, you know, very Yeah, I don't want to say sacred to the fans, but it is if you start tampering with the original product. Yeah, I mean, and I know people want an original cut of the uh, a new hope and okay, you know, if you really do, I mean, they they own everything Fox has, so they could do that right now if they really wanted to, but you know, I've never been upset with the changes. I'm not upset with this change. Now, granted, I haven't seen it. I've only seen a clip of it, and it was like potato quality. So somebody's recording the screen off of their phone, and it's pointed at their computer screen. So it's not the best quality, but I'm probably going to go into it like I went into the changes they made with the Blu-ray and go, okay, because, I mean, maybe for me, I'm not upset about it because I never saw the original cut. My The original theatrical cut of star wars my first viewing was the special editions that came out on vhs in 97 Mm. i've only ever seen the stuff they've added i've never seen the original stuff right but at the same time they've changed stuff from that and i've never been up in arms about it. i'm like oh all right cool sure and that's a big point to take home with that is that if they're making changes as long as they're not getting away from the source material yeah it should be okay and Disney Plus is really kind of walking a fine line with that which i think is the only negative i would say about the service right now right that is there really a need to? I mean, you already have got how many subscribers out of the first day setting records left and right. Oh, yeah. Do you really need to offer that much more than just the vault? I don't see. I, I don't know. That's the thing is, you, yeah, there is a lot between Disney and Pixar and everything else. But you're if, if you just do strictly the vault, you're going to lose people mm-hmm. because, okay, I've watched in – you know, somebody can crunch their numbers on this if they haven't already. How long it would take you to just watch the stuff from the vault, not the original content? It's it'd be a while, right? You know, if somebody gets to the end point, they go, "Well, 
well, I don't need this anymore. I've watched everything. The original content is what kind of keeps them around. Netflix is great and all, and it's great to kind of, you know, see those articles pop up every, you know, third week of the month or fourth week of the month going, here's what's coming to Netflix in December, January, whatever. That's fun and all, but a lot of times, Netflix especially, there's stuff getting added that I'm like, yeah, I just don't care about this. Like, what do you got coming that is original from you guys that I might be interested in? Yeah, there's Disney's got a lot of stuff, they, but a lot of it I've either seen and, you know, eh, I don't really need to see that again or I just don't care for it. Right. So, I mean, that's something that they'll have to think about moving forward. Obviously, debuting, they did have some original programming. Yeah, uh, they had the Mandal- first episode of The Mandalorian came out. They also had the first episode of the Jeff Goldblum, The World According and to Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum, which I got to say, it is a wonderful watch. Uh, the first episode is Jeff Goldblum experiencing sneaker culture. And it is the <laughs> wildest thing in the world. He goes to, uh, and I was watching this. I guess we're talking spoilers. Uh, it's it's not that big. You know, It's it, Brian, I was watching it with Brag Eye Signal, and he was watching a bit of it. And, and I can't believe I didn't know this was a thing, although I'm not surprised. Jeff Goldblum goes to Sneaker Con out in, I want to say it's Ohio or someplace. And, you know, he, he experiences people, you know, treating sh- these shoes like baseball cards where mm-hmm. you got some people spending $30,000 for like three pairs of shoes or something absurd like that. And you got Jeff Goldblum, who's, you know, made a fair amount of money over his, his career and seen a lot of things and done a lot of things. And his jaws almost dropping. Going, oh, my God. You know, it's, it's a wonderful watch. I definitely recommend it. The second episode is uh, him experiencing or something to do with him in ice cream. Like he's going to make his own ice cream with somebody. So it's, it's a fun watch. The, the best way I saw it described, it's as if your eccentric uncle had a YouTube channel. And that's absolutely the case. I could fully see that description it's, fitting the show. It's a fun watch. Like, even if you don't really care that much for sneakers or don't really know anything about sneakers, give the episode a watch just for Jeff Goldblum's humor. Well, that's the one thing with Disney Plus and their original content is they can't just gear it towards Marvel and Star Wars. They right. have to go outside oh, yeah. the box. Getting Jeff Goldblum to do this show is definitely a turn that I did not see coming originally. No. But it makes sense because if you just try doing everything for the superhero genre, and the sci the sci fi angle too, it's it's great, and I mean we're big fans of that. But you have right. to go for everybody that's watching your service. There are going to be people that are not interested in seeing Marvel or Star Wars. Oh yeah, there's there's I know people who've never seen a Star Wars movie, and you would think, oh, you must be upset by that. No, like that that's fine. You know, there are people who haven't seen Wizard of Oz and Sound of Music and stuff like that. Like, okay, that's fine. But they're like you said, they got to go for a variety of people, and they definitely have a, a variety of things at launch for a variety of people. Like we said, there's the Mandalorian for if you're a sci-fi fan. They're coming out with Marvel stuff in the future. If you like the comic book stuff, I mean, they just uh, they put out the the live action remake of Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm. You know, for the kids, you've got High School Musical, the musical, the series that came out. You know, for, if if you're a musical fan, you know, you've got the World according to Jeff Goldblum, uh, which which came out. You know, you've got Encore and uh, you know, Noel and a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, for there's something there for everybody. And I think that's very smart of them to do because when you we originally heard about this, yeah, I know the only things we really talk about is Marvel or Star Wars. That's what we watch on there. Yeah. But to see some of the alternative programming they have on there, I think is very good. And especially if they really want to compete with Netflix, who does a wide variety of original programming. Uh-huh. Now, to see where they're going to go in the next year, we already know the MCU is coming in full swing. Yep. And the one thing I do like they do, 
I haven't been able to find it, but I guess if you search a specific title that's not on there yet, they will give you a hard date of when that's going to be on there. And that's very cool to do. That's very nice to do. Yeah, it's something that I wish more streaming services would do, especially yeah. Netflix, because... Well, Netflix is famous for, hey, this is when it's going to leave, and there you go. Yeah, it just usually you get a 3 a.m. email on the East Coast, and here it is. Yeah. Which, it is what it is. I'm not complaining about it, it's just, it is what it is. But overall, though, Pad, initial thoughts of Disney Plus, it's worth the while. It's going to be the streaming service for you. Yeah, no, it's absolutely going to be the streaming service for me, especially because it's got the, the classics on there like, you know, Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under, and a bunch of movies that I really like. The big surprise for me is, is just how deep it is, and there's some movies on there that are like, you know, just for whatever reason, I'm thinking like, oh, there's no way that'd be on there. Like, I remember a, a really not good straight to VHS uh, Beauty and the Beast Christmas movie they did back in like the late 90s, early 2000s or something like that. And like it occurred to me and I was like, there's no way this is on here. And I sure enough, sure enough I went to their search Beauty and the Beast. Eh, it's on there. You know, I think my only complaint with it is when you're watching a series that isn't one of their originals, it's only got one episode out. So something like a Gargoyles, like an X-Men, like a Spider-Man animated series. There's nothing like with maybe Hulu or Netflix where if you've watched it, there's a little like colored line at the bottom saying, hey, you've watched this and it kind of keeps your place. It, like if you go watch the, an episode of something and then you go about your life or whatever and you come back the, that night or the next day, it puts you back at episode one, season one. And you got to almost remember, all right, I was on this episode of this season. So that's kind of my uh, I know they're probably going to patch that in or put that in at some point. But right now, that's kind of my one big complaint. So far, other than a couple technical difficulties, because... A few technical difficulties. Yeah, but for me, it's been a couple, so... Right, I mean, the technical difficulties thing, you know, it's like I told a few people who were kind of, like, surprised they weren't able to get on. Like, listen, I know they tested it in the Netherlands because loopholes or something. They were they found a country where they were able to test this and not break any agreements. Mm. The population of the, of the Netherlands, according to the Google search I did, is, like, 17.1 million people. If they just open this to the U.S. alone, you're talking about 300 million people. There's a little bit of a size difference there. There's going to be issues, especially when you un up open it up to everyone in the U.S. at once. Yeah. You know, that's going to happen, but they've smoothed it out. Things seem to be running well. You know, I haven't run into any issues today, which is nice. Yeah, and the bundle is getting worked out. So if you're not sure about the Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, Disney+, Plus bundle, they are explaining it very well, that if you have that and you're going for it, such as I that uh, it's going to be definitely worth your money. So I'm excited to start deep diving into it. And the first thing I watched after X-Men is what we're going to be talking about next segment because I've been waiting to do it, but I didn't want to go just full bore Mandalorian talk just yet, but we're going to do that next segment. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Disney Plus initially now? You've had a few days to kind of soak it in, let it go. Do you love it? Do you hate it? And why? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the King of Lyle, Luke Visengard, Gladius 205 champion, and you're listening to the ODPH. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH. Last segment, we talked about Disney+. Plus. Kind of give you a little taste of why it's so important, what they're doing, what they're not, and why it is going to be revolutionizing the streaming service. But let's just jump into it, shall we? The biggest show on the network thus far, mm -hmm. The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Now... We are going to be talking spoilers. So yes. if you haven't seen it yet, I know for all our friends over in England, shout out to Grief Burrito and everybody over there. 
I know Disney Plus is not active there. They got to wait till like March. Oh, my God. It's awful. It's some kind of crazy stipulation. So what we are doing is we are going to put the notes of what we're going to be talking about, The Mandalorian, so we don't ruin it for you. So, yeah, if you want to skip this, like you you said, if you're in the UK or someplace else that doesn't have it yet, if you look in the notes, there will be a timestamp of where you can jump to and bypass this segment so we don't spoil it for you. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to look out for you best we can. So that being said... Star Wars Mandalorian talk. Spoilers. Three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? Well, first, I got to say, uh, episode was directed by Dave Filoni, who is the best storyteller they have in Lucasfilm. Fight me on that one. Uh, it was written by John Favreau, and George Lucas also received the writing credit. Uh, it's amazing. It is everything I could have wanted out of the first episode of a, a new Star Wars series. And it is quite possibly has the potential to be the best Star Wars story they've done in the Disney era. So let's break it down. What is The Mandalorian about? So The Mandalorian is about a gentleman by the name of The Mandalorian. Uh, I presume he has a actual name, but they haven't said it in the show yet. Uh, played by Pedro Pascal, uh, who is he, he's a bounty hunter. He's going around collecting bounties, you know, getting people who jump bail, who might owe some people money bringing them back and collecting on money and trying to make his way in a world where it's taking place six years after the events of star Wars episode six return of the Jedi. And really just, you know, things are a little hard. People don't want to pay the rates that uh, members of the bounty guild uh, charge and things are kind of hard to come by these days. Right. So as we open up, we see the Mandalorian going, collecting a bounty, mm-hmm. kicking in the door, kicking in the door, sawing people in half. Yes, it is definitely not for the squeamish, dare no, I say. No, But it gets right down to the nitty-gritty of bounty hunting. Mm-hmm. So as we see, he's going into a bar, and he's looking for somebody, and obviously somebody ruffles the feathers of said Mandalorian, and then the guns come out. The guns come out, he kills a few people, and he collects on his bounty, and he brings the, the bounty he's been looking for. We, we, I don't think we ever find out what he's looking for him for. They're, he's just looking for him. And this, the entire sequence is awesome from the the action to just how silent pedro pascal is where yeah. you know the, the the guy playing the person he's looking for is talking and pedro pascal is not saying a word and it's even more great because he's wearing his helmet so you can't see any facial expressions from him so he's just like deadpanning him and just not saying a word right and obviously you see how I don't want to say ruthless, but how cold he is. Yeah. Because when the prisoner is on his plane Mm -hmm. and he's trying to find an escape route, well, the Mandalorian kind of goes up to check on him, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, what does he do to him? Freezes him in carbonite. Right. Taking it back to Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. And and before he freezes him in carbonite, the guy's looking for a way out. And then he quickly realizes, because he's in the cargo hold of his ship, there are four other people frozen in carbonite sitting right there. And he almost kind of craps his pants. Right. And it just kind of gives the gravity of the situation that... They're really not pulling any punches. This is not yeah, to this, say this for kids by any means. Yeah, this is a guy you don't mess around with. Right. So, obviously, another bounty is collected. He goes to get his next assignment from one Carl Weathers, mm-hmm. who we know from Rocky fame amongst so yeah, many oh other yeah. good films. Oh, yeah. Good to see him on the show. Oh, that was awesome. The casting on this is phenomenal, yeah. too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Just a kind of little tease about what we see in there. And, obviously, he gets his next assignment, albeit, though... Not a lot of details. Right. So he goes for his next job, and, and Carl Weathers goes to give him, you know, they call him uh, Pucks. 
Mm-hmm. It's if you've ever seen like a Western movie, it's kind of like you know with the old Westerns where you got the wanted poster and you pull it off and you go with that. But in this form, it's just like this mobile projection puck. He's got five and he goes, oh, it's you know he starts listing off what they're wanted for: bail jumper, bail jumper, you know this that, and the other. And he goes, oh, you know, oh, he go tries to take them all, but Carl won't give them to him. He goes, listen, I got other guys trying to work here. You know, work's kind of scarce. And, and Pedro Pascal goes, well, you know, what's the issue with the lack of work? He goes, no, which is folks aren't willing to pay the rates we're charging. And so then he goes, well, what's your highest paying job? And I think he says something like 5,000 credits or something like that. Mm. And he goes, that's not even enough to cover fuel these days. And he goes, well, there is this one other job. And, pa- and Pedro goes, well, give me the puck. And Carl goes, no, this job's a little different. Face-to-face contact. And he goes, all right. So he goes to meet, you know, he hands him the, the little card he's got to use to get in the door to meet this contact and uh, find out what's going on. And he gets down there and walks in the door. And who can is standing there waiting in the door for him? Uh, one Werner Herzog. One Werner Herzog with no less than three very weathered looking uh, stormtroopers. They, they look like they've seen some stuff. Yes, obviously. And there's kind of the very cool standoff. And, mm-hmm. and it's four on one right now. I like those odds. Yeah. So obviously you kind of get a little taste of, okay, here's the assignment and you really don't know a lot going mm-hmm. on. All we really know is that, you know, he, he again looks for a puck and he goes, no, listen, we need some discretion for this. I can give you the, the location of this and I can give you their last known location. I can tell you they're 50 years old and, and whatnot, but like I, that's all I can really get. And here's this little tracking device where it'll kind of point you to where they're at. And he goes, well, what's the eight digit code for this? He's like, I can only give you four. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like this is the wildest, the, the kind of vibe I got off of Pedro Pascal in the scene is this is kind of the wildest job he's ever taken. Yeah, this is definitely one that he is not familiar with and definitely no. out of his comfort zone. So he has very little work off. Mm-hmm. So as he is going on his assignment, what happens when he gets to the planet? So he gets to the planet. He kind of starts trying to survey things and, and kind of get his bearing straight, which is understandable. Uh, he then gets attacked by one of the local creatures whose name is escaping me at the moment and gets his arm crunched. And you actually hear uh, he tries firing off his his flamethrower on his one arm. And you actually hear the metal crunch. And you're like, oh, well, that's a missing piece of uh, equipment. You know, and I'm skipping ahead of myself and getting ahead of myself. Before he goes off, he does go to a local Mandalorian uh, blacksmith hang, blacksmith hangout. I, I'm not quite sure what it was because there was more than one Mandalorian in there. He, yes, which I want to touch upon a little later. Okay. Because I have a feeling okay. the king was there. That, well, we'd have to see him crawl out of a certain uh, I did, area. But. We'll, we'll jump into that at the end because I'm going to go my full rant. But anyway, continue. But so he goes off and he, he's been he was given a piece of Beskar, which, you know, you can dig up on on the Star Wars wiki page, you know, for more full detail. Essentially, the, the layman's, you know, spark notes version of it is it's a it's an ore found on the Mandalorian home planet that they like to use in their armor because it's very strong and durable. It's one of the strongest substances in the, in the star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. So he melts it down. He uses part of it to make a shoulder pad for himself and the rest will go to, uh, you know, some other Mandalorians in need, which I forget the name of them, but he says, Oh, I used to be one of those. And we see a flashback scene of some quick flashbacks of, you know, what appeared to be him as a child, I want to say it's never fully established because we've yet to, you know, first episode, we've yet to see this guy's face, you know, of him maybe as the child running and fleeing from the battle. 
Fast forward, then we he gets to the planet and he's getting his bat he's getting his bearings and he gets attacked by the local wildlife as I mentioned and his wrist uh, flamethrower gets bitten but he gets saved by one uh, character named Kuli Kuli K U I L L however you say that don't know played by Nick Nolte which I'm not gonna lie uh, after this episode I want a series with this character because this character is amazing yeah because he's training him how to write a Huguenot mm-hmm. uh, Huguenot well he's an Ugnot or Ugnot rather. he's an Ugnot uh, which if the name sounds familiar and he looks familiar it is some of the characters you saw on Cloud City in uh, Empire Strikes Back they were the ones kind of like on Cloud City setting up the uh, carbon freezing chamber for mm-hmm. when Luke showed up they're those guys um, but he goes to help Pedro Pascal because, you know, he he knows what he's looking for. Many have tried and many have, you know, tried to seek out the person he's looking for. And he goes, well, what happened to those people? They're all dead. He goes, well, did you help him? He goes, yeah. And Pedro goes, well, I don't know if you I really want your help then. He goes, no, you do, because without it, you'll die. Right. And as they go forward, he is going to where his location is. Mm-hmm. And dare I say, he runs into a another bounty hunter. Yep, he runs into one bounty hunter, which I know a lot of people thought this was IG-88. It's not. Uh, it is a bounty hunter, by. it just looks like him because it's the same model as him. It is another IG unit. It is IG-11 voiced by one Taika Watiti. Yes, who is absolutely brilliant in mm-hmm. this. And to see them, I mean, the action is hive-paced. It's definitely a shootout like the Old West. Mm-hmm. You can definitely tell Taika if you, in this entire battle sequence was using kind of maybe his slapstick humor. Yeah. So, I'm engaging self-destruct sequence. Stop engaging self-destruct sequence. Yeah, it's a good little back and forth, which I think was perfectly placed. Mm-hmm. Because for the most part, the episode has all been high stakes. And a little bit. High serious drama. Yeah. So to see a little humor thrown in and it wasn't forced. Which, you know, is always a big thing with me and uh, Taika, that I am just not a fan of, like, when it's when I feel it's forced. Yeah. This one was just a natural progression. It felt natural, especially because, at least to my recollection, you see IG-88 in uh, Empire Strikes Back. There were other IG battle droids in one of the episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but... Outside of them, I don't think we've ever heard them speak. So there's nothing to really go against. Like, oh, that's not how an IG unit would talk. Like, we don't really know. This is kind of the first time we've seen it. Right. We don't really know. But obviously, this whole sequence is pretty cool. Yeah. And then when they finally get rid of everybody, which, I mean, it's always a big shootout scene. Mm -hmm. Definitely a lot of cool action going on. They finally get to the prize that we find out. And dare I say, this shook the internet a little bit. A little bit. And I had a feeling something was going on because while I was watching the episode, of course, Warner Herzog mentioned that the target is 50 years old. So in my head, I started doing some math and going, all right, we're six years after Return of the Jedi. And I'm like, I'm going through this Star Wars timeline of when everything takes place. And I'm going, wait a minute. This thing's, you know, older than it has been around since before where the Phantom Menace took place. I'm like, what in God's name is this thing? They get in there and it's this little ball looking thing and it's and it turns out to be a cradle and they open the cradle and I'm talking cradle like a baby mm. and they open it and you see little ears pop up and he goes wait and Pedro Pascal goes wait this thing is 50 and IG 11 goes well you know species do age at various rates and you know may look younger for longer than some other species do and IG 11 goes to shoot it and, and Pedro Pascal goes what are you doing. And he goes, and IG-11 goes, well, the bounty clearly said we need to kill it, so I'm killing it, which, funny, it's not what he was it's told. It's not what Werner Herzog said. Not what Werner Herzog told him. He was told, you know, bring him alive, but listen, if you bring him dead, we're going to need proof. So you see him standing there, 
and this was brilliantly shot. You mm. see, it's just a shot of uh, Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian in the helmet standing there. You hear a blaster go off. And you're like, all right, wait, who fired? Who fired on who? What happened? Cut. You see IG-11 drop, and there's a giant hole in his head. So found that a little funny for as much as it was made about, oh, who's the character? Is he IG-88? Who is he? And dead in the first episode. Right, which was very well played in how they ended is the shot of the Mandalorian standing over baby Yoda. Well, a baby of Yoda's species. Right. Because we should keep in mind, Yoda's dead. In the entire 40 years Star Wars has been around, no one has ever come back to life. I realize, oh, but they've come back as Force Ghosts. Yeah, that that's true. They do come back as Force Ghosts, but they can't come back to life. That we know of yet. Well, I don't see them usurping this. I, I Especially since there is B-roll footage that has come out of George Lucas himself behind the scenes visiting, not doing anything you know directorial or producing, but just visiting the filming of this. I can't imagine they're doing this series with George Lucas visiting going, yeah, we know that nothing has ever been done with like reincarnation, but yeah, we're going to bring that in. No, it's, it's, it's a creature of Yoda's species, which depending on where they go with this could be very big because for those who don't know, there were a lot of books that were written, you know, known as the expanded universe, which is now legends. It's, you know, not Canon anymore. It doesn't mm-hmm. count towards a story. George Lucas let them have fun and play in his universe. His sandbox as a lot of authors have called it, but he had, Two rules. You can't touch Mace Windu's past and you can't touch Yoda's past. There's to my recollection, there's only ever been two creatures in the universe that look like Yoda. That's Yoda and Yaddle, I think is is her name. Mm. She she appears briefly in uh episode one of Fan, the Phantom Menace. Right. They've never named his species. It's always just been people have always just called it Yoda species. So now you've gone from two, at least, to three. Where they go with this could be very interesting. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how this series takes off now because the closest we've gotten to The Mandalorian previously has been one Boba Fett. Well, and some minor stuff on Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, yeah. that's that's minor. It's not the king. In this episode, and I've been going online searching, Mm -hmm. and apparently there's some smoke to my fire. Okay. Around the 18-minute mark, I have been closely trying to track down. There is a shot of what appears to be Boba Fett. Hmm. Now, you kind of have to look a little fancy, the armor, there's something with it. I have to rewatch this again, but I thought I saw something. I was like, Hmm. wait, is this a second Mandalorian? Okay. And the rumor that's going around right now is that it is Boba Fett. Hmm. Now, I would love this to be that Pedro Pascal's character is Boba Fett that we don't know. And we've, you know, obviously we've had some history with him in Django Fett and, you know, attack of the clones and such, but I'd rather not think of that. I'd rather have good thoughts. This is where I'm really interested to see how they're going to tie it in. And would it be how they reintroduce Boba Fett to the star Wars canon hmm. after he was allegedly killed off in the Skylar pits? Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to see him back, but at the same time, I, you know, I don't want to see it because it's it's kind of like with you know the the rise of Skywalker being the end of the Skywalker saga. You don't really want to be beholden or behooven to oh we need a Skywalker in every film. I feel like doing bringing Boba Fett into this and having Boba Fett be the focal point is almost the same thing. Like set up this new character, make this new character sure have Boba Fett in there and have him pal around for maybe a few episodes, but then go off and do your own thing. No, what I what my perfect scenario is, it, like I said, I'm gonna I've been rewatching, I've been seeing a little video clips here and there on the net. If that is Boba at the 18, 18 minute mark, I'm hoping he's hunting the Mandalorian. Hmm. 
and we have that battle. That'd be cool. Just something left field like that. We don't got to make Boba a hero. He's an anti-hero in my opinion. But I think that if they rewrite that from Star Wars canon, I'm excited about it. I mean, because what is the th- uh, the crest that identifies? I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy in the world. That identifies Mandalorians as a signet. I think so, yeah. That we kind of see as the Mandalorian show goes on that maybe there's some connection to mm-hmm. the characters. I'd like to see it almost be like a cowboy bebop type thing. That'd be cool. That Overall. I think this is definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Like, I was blown away by this. Oh, yeah. I thought for the budget for Disney Plus was I was watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised at how much they spent on this. Not to say I didn't think they were going to go high quality. Right. But this really had a movie feel to it. And I love that fact because if you're going to go big, go big. Yeah. And this definitely appeased that question is what are we going to get? Now, this is the first showing of real drama on Disney Plus, original drama, should I say. Mm -hmm. They definitely nailed it out of the park. Oh, absolutely. So I have very high hopes going for the Falcon and Winter Soldier when that comes out in next year in, in 2020. Yeah. For the Mandalorian... This was the perfect episode to have unleashed the first day. Mm -hmm. The second episode has been confirmed to come out Friday, November 15th. Yeah, so the release schedule is as follows. Like like Ken said, the second episode will come out on Friday, November 15th. Following that, every episode, almost every episode, will come out on Friday. The lone exception being uh, the seventh episode, Chapter 7. It is coming out on the 18th of December instead of being Friday that week uh, because it's leading right into the holiday weekend and mm-hmm. Christmas and everything. But however, following that, the final episode of the season will f- air on or be available on December 27th, which is a Friday. So overall, final thoughts on the episode? Absolutely an amazing episode. I'm very glad that Disney is going the you know single week release schedule instead of dropping this all at once because I'm loving seeing the conversation and speculation online of what is this? Who is this? You know, did we see this? Did we see that? It's it's a lot more fun to see and kind of build up to that next episode rather than, you know, oh, I'm on episode four and I got to dodge people talking about episode eight when I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this was a knockout home run out of the gate. And I think that's what Disney Plus needed to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of speculation when you mentioned Star Wars. Same thing as you mentioned Marvel. What yeah. are you going to get? Are you going to get the Christmas special or are you going to get for The Force Awakens? This is where you kind of have to dance around and see what you get. Oh, there was a Christmas special reference in the episode. I know there was. Like I I said, the Boba effect is happening. Just accept it. No, the the Life Day mentioned. They they mentioned Life Day, which is, of course, the focal point of the Star Wars holiday special. So, ergo, is the holiday special now canon? Slippery slope here. It makes you wonder, but for Pedro Pascal's performance, I thought he nailed it out of the park. Yeah. I thought that he was the cold bounty hunter that has a mysterious oh past my god i was getting chills that the special or the flashbacks were really made special because you now have a story behind the mask yeah and i thought that was really interesting how they portrayed it because they gave you just a little taste they didn't really go yeah full, yeah it, it's kind of like all right this guy's got a shady past he's got a he's got a checkered past a colored history whatever you want to phrase you want to use and it's like all right what is this guy's deal because Okay, we. I get that at some point, if you're a bounty hunter, you're just going to become cold and emotionless and just not give a you know what. Mm-hmm. But this guy clearly is at like that next level, that Boba Fett level, that Django Fett level, where he just doesn't care and just does the job. Yeah. 
So obviously this was a huge home run. This is what Disney Plus needed to set the ground running. The fan base has been very rabid about it. Mm-hmm. They've been talking all over social media and rightfully so about it. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, and I do apologize if you're not able to see Disney Plus, it's worth watching. It'll be worth the wait when you can watch it. And if you're one of the people who were able to see it, don't go spoiling the episode. Yeah. You know, I realized there was a TMZ art and I hate you, TMZ. The, I I was not spoiled by this. I was fortunate enough to not see this article until later in the day after I'd already watched the episode. TMZ put an article up about the episode where the freaking photo of the baby Yoda-looking creature was the f- picture at the top of the page, and it was also the picture you saw if it linked anywhere. So people are getting and people were posting pictures and gifts like thirty minutes after the episode had dropped. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, don't 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 do that. Don't spoil it for everybody else. Be vague. Be like hinting but don't full go full on and spoil anything because there are people who are like we said the united kingdom is not going to be able to access disney plus until march right you know there's other places that are going to have to wait even longer you know don't be jerks about it be you know be kind of vague and and don't give full spoilers yeah that's why we are trying our, our best not to and that's why we're being very very vague when we tweet about this as well so we don't want to ruin this for everybody because it's so good. We'd rather you have that experience for yourself yeah. and really enjoy it. And then after you watch it, definitely hit us up on social media. Throw up the hashtag ODPH. Join in that conversation. What did you think of The Mandalorian? Did you love it as much as we did? Or did you not like it? Because I really want to know if you didn't like it and why. And do you think Boba Fett is in the episode? 18-minute mark. Rewatch the episode. Let me know what you think. Yes, no. We'll go from there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH, and let's talk a little comics now. Mm-hmm. We're now officially at one month into the Dawn of X storyline by yes. Marvel Comics. Yes. Now, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know that we went deep diving in on House of X and Powers of Ten, the X-Men relaunch under Jonathan Hickman, which has completely revolutionized the X-Men story. It's flipped it on its head, turned it inside out, thrown it sideways. Yes. Now, we are going to be talking some spoilers about that, so we're going to give you fair warning. That being said, the storyline of how Moira McTaggart has become the most important mutant mutant in history Mm -hmm. is really been a refreshing curveball thrown to comic book fans. Yeah. New and old. Yeah. I think that Hickman's idea and where he's going with this was really a game changer that he's now wiped away the entire X-Men timeline per se. Yeah. And now reestablished where your heroes and your villains are all under one mutant roof where we are now i wish i could have i could go back in time and be a fly on the wall for like the pitch meeting he had with the folks at marvel you know and just seeing the reaction they would have had when he he threw out the idea this whole idea and oh by the way moira mctaggart is a mutant in this story you know just their reaction would have been priceless well i think that it was just such a compelling story of how he says one time change Mm -hmm. can alter everything and really refresh a line that, let's face it, has been out for years. Yeah, has been around a while. classic moments from Chris Claremont and John Byrne. And I know I keep harping about that, but when they retook over the book from Giant Size X-Men 1 to the Dark Phoenix saga mm-hmm. to where they went in the 80s and where the, the journey of Professor X has started from a simple dream 
into this long, drawn-out historic tale yeah. of evolution and you know dealing with powers against a world that hates you. It's so interesting to see the, the dips and turns it's taken and the characters that have resonated and where it's grown from just being a comic that originally was canceled way back when mm-hmm. to such a multimedia juggernaut, no pun intended, of TV, yeah. comics, movies. To, to the point where like even if you haven't read a lot of X-Men stories, you may have read some here or there, you still on some level, like you know the logo you know some of the faces, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. And to see that it was, at one point, the biggest comic line in all of comics. Yeah. And obviously, it's kind of gone through its ups and downs. And, uh, yeah, and, as everything does. Well, as everything does, and sometimes you have oversaturation. I know in the 90s, I mean, everything that had an X on it was one of Marvel's biggest sellers. Yeah. And that is no joke. You can go back and check timelines. But to see where it's gone, and obviously the different writers have taken over the years. I mean, Grant Morrison's take has been... Very unique. Yeah, um, to I'll, say the least. Yeah, albeit I, I did not like how that series ended, but that's my opinion. You know, you can make your own. Definitely go to your local comic book shops and go hit them up and ask them about, you know, the different timelines you should check out and why this timeline is so important. Because, like we say, the X-Men over the past few years have been, dare I say, in flux. Messy. It's been messy. It's been unique. It's, I mean, it, it's definitely been headline making, but at the same time, it's not like, oh, hey, did you see the great, check out the great story they're doing in X Men this week? It's you won't believe what they did in X Men this week. Right. It has been kind of overshadowed by the launch and growth of the MCU because yeah. all those characters were under the Marvel umbrella and they weren't at a different studio. And yeah. obviously, when the creative forces started making more of a focus on Avengers and the family involving around that. The X-Men started taking a little back seat. Yeah. And, you know, it goes in strides. But now they are back triumphantly, not only under the Marvel roof for the movies. Yeah. But the comics book line has had now a resurgence in focus. Oh, absolutely. And obviously we've gone deep diving in on House of X and Powers of Ten, like we said. We've now been one month into the relaunch. Mm-hmm. And we've had every book from X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur, Fallen Angels, New Mutants. There's been so many great books to come out. Pad, let me ask you this. Which book stands out to you as like the book right now? Well, for me, it's it's, it's unfor- unfortunately the only one I've had time to read, and that's the first issue of the new X-Men series. It's just kind of everything, that, you know, the main line and everything they're going to do with that because the most exciting thing for me with that is what they said at the panel we were fortunate enough to attend at New York Comic Con where, you know, it's, it's a team-based book, but at the same time it's not where – you know, you're going to kind of see, yeah, it's going to have its focal story, but at the same time, if they go out on a mission, you're not going to see the same five, six people on every mission. They're going to float people in and out as they're needed. Yeah. And that to me is kind of the most exciting thing because, you know, it's not kind of like, oh, we're seeing this one team for a story arc and oh, hey, that story arc's over. Now we need to make a new team and somebody else is going to be, no, it's going to be like floating week to week. You're not really sure what you're going to get. And that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, X-Men has been really great. New Mutants just came out. So did X-Force. Fallen Angels is out this week. Excalibur came out. And dare I say the sleeper book for me has been Marauders mm-hmm. and how they've now evolutionized Kitty Pride into being this version universe yeah. Wolverine. Like, essentially, she is the ultimate loner and just such a badass character in her own right that she's always been. But yeah. now it's just really, you know, just really grown in that role and being such a focal point of what they're doing and how Xavier is trying to instill the mutant will on the on the world mm-hmm. and just how important she plays a role in that, I think, has been the biggest sleeper of all. 
and I think the book came off really well. I know originally when I saw it, I was like, what the heck is this, Mutants at Sea? Mm-hmm. It turned out I had eek some crow on that, and I'll be the first one to tell you. The book is very good. And the other one that really jumped out is X-Force. Now, I have been excited about this since I hear ben- Benjamin Piercy has been added to this. His deep, booming bass voice. Yes, he is one of the deepest voices in all of comics. He has so much passion for the X universe and Wolverine especially. If you haven't listened to the two seasons of that podcast, you really should. Yeah, the one you can find on Stitcher and um it's well worth checking out. It's it's just like an old old school radio show. Absolutely. So- I know I know both seasons are on Apple Podcasts right now and probably whatever uh podcasts you get uh, wherever else you get podcasts. Yeah, they're so worth checking out. And to see now his take X-Force 1 just came out phenomenal start mm-hmm. phenomenal and how he writes wolverine like you know you hear it on the podcast and you're like okay how's it going to translate he does wolverine so well that like i think it actually came off better yeah than what i saw in hickman's writing and that's i know it's too early to tell right but i'll stick to my guns on that one that percy just nailed the essence of wolverine that you grew up reading like I kind of had like a little throwback to like when Frank Miller was writing him, mm-hmm. you know, way back when in, the, in that limited series, that it was just such a cool throwback that it really resonated. Like, okay, I'm now more excited about the new Wolverine series coming out oh, next yeah. year that Piercy's going to be writing. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. Yeah, that this one just really sold it, and now I'm like, okay, because like I said, when that it reminded me, like I said, the original series what I saw with Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. And this one just really nailed it out of the park. So now, going into the month, you have a new direction for the X-Men. Albeit, though, a little kind of messy parts here and there mm-hmm. are still prevalent in X-Men. But with the rotating cast, it's going to work. New Mutants is such a cool throwback, Pat. I know you have really not been too familiar with New Mutants. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever read Generation X, which really took the idea of clean-cut you know, mutants that could be accepted in society and flipped it on its ear and gave us one of the most original characters in Chamber. Yeah. That this is just like a good mashup of it. And where they're going with it, it kind of still has a, a young New Mutants vibe to it, even though the character is a little bit older. Okay. But, I mean, how they're writing it I think is very well. I think is very good. I'm definitely excited about it. And then to throw in Excalibur and how they're flipping it on this ear – you now have Betsy Braddock as the new Captain Britain and how that story has evolved. Yeah. And to know that how that plays into Fallen Angels, which is out. And obviously, the story of Psylocke is one that is very confusing. Okay. Um, body swapping and... Yeah, it's a little messy. Yeah, just uh, put it mildly. But how they're doing Fallen Angels, I'm still not a fun, like officially sold on it yet. Um, still kind of waiting to see how this one plays out. Because the basic taglines from this is these are characters that are not happy on Kuroka. Mm, right. But the first issue from what I've been kind of hearing about and i got to go pick up, it, it, it's it's interesting, but it's it doesn't have me hooked yet. Like I'm Right. Like, it's, it's like it's got potential, but you just need a little bit more. Right. It just I need a little bit more. Like with Marauders, I am hooked. Sure. I, and like I said, I was very surprised at how well that book was. X-Men, obviously Hickman's writing – Definitely does it for me because he plays the long game. So you have to read yeah. every issue, even if you don't want to, which is you know kind of weird to say, but it is what it is. To see how they're setting this up going forward, do you think there's been a drop-off in quality? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's still early, so the quality is still there. But like you said, Hickman does long runs. Can you sustain the quality for however long this run ends up being? And I know he said it's years, plural that he's planning on doing this run. So, you know, can that quality be sustained 
when you're in, you know, let's just say we're in the middle of year three of this long run and like, all right, you're year three in, you got however many issues behind you is the quality still there. I think Hickman has definitely earned the right to say yes. And I think if you look at his pedigree of work, he definitely goes long game. I mean, you see what he did with Fantastic Four. Yeah. And then you see what he did when he had his Avengers run, which ended with Secret Wars, which I'm still saying that's when the Russos are coming back to the MCU right? to direct. I know that there's some talk they have a new documentary series coming out involving yeah, no, they Well, no, they do. It's it's Marvel versus DC, and it's on Quibbly, so nobody's going to see it. Yeah, so I'm kind of interested to see if that would actually wind up on Disney+. Plus. I know I'm kind of long-shotting. No. I can always long shot. No, you can, you can. It's a long, 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 long shot. No, but either way, that I think that that's what brings them back to the MCU, and it would make a lot of sense because that is such a grand epic in its own right. But it's going to be interesting to see how Hickman's writing now affects the X Men projects moving forward. Are we going to get the traditional teams, or is this going to impact the? movie projects coming out now under the Kevin Feige banner. No, I don't think so. Just because I think when, when the movies come out and the X-Men come out, movies come out, I think, you know, they'll obviously branch out and maybe start switching up the teams a little bit. But I think to start off, you will see a more traditional team, you know, keep it grounded, keep it what people know. So that way, like when you bring in the fans who haven't read any X-Men comic ever, they've only ever seen the movies and they've seen this and they've seen that. Keep it so it's something they know and can understand, and you don't have to do a big, long plot explanation of who the who this new character is in the X-Men that they've never heard of and don't know who they are. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do for Phase, what, 5 or 6 that we're going to get mutants uh, or No idea. They haven't even released. They, we, I know they're working on stuff, and they haven't even really come out and said when they're going to show up. No, I think the only time we're going to hear the word mutants get uttered is in Eternals. I think Eternals yeah. is going to be forced to be watched. I'm I'm just I'm not sold on that. I'm sorry. I can't get up for Eternals and I think New Gods is gonna absolutely smoke it out of the water. But that being said, I think that's when we're gonna kinda see what version of the mutants we're gonna see in the MCU. But for the comics universe, the rehash has been very well done. And I mm-hmm. think that going forward, I'm not sure where the story is gonna play out because you have such a powder keg of characters. Professor X, who was killed off, we think. Right, but we know one. Well, we know reincarnation with them as a thing, so yeah, he's not dead. Right, and that would just be too easy of a fix per se, but we got to see what Percy's going to write with that. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, to flip it to where Excalibur is going, where you now have Apocalypse involved with that team and where he's directing it. I mean, you have such like dynamic characters now that are so tied together. The drama will just write itself. But how long can that sustain before it's all out mutant civil war? And we still don't know about what's going on with Mr. Sassy, yeah. a.k.a. Mr. Sinister. That hasn't been explained. Like We're just now seeing how the rest of the mutants are getting in there. So let me ask you this, Pat, in closing. Is there any character mutant-wise that you want to see added to this Hickman universe that we haven't seen yet? Uh, well, I can't really think of any. I just want to see more sassy Mr. Sinister. Sassy Sinister works. Um, honestly, I am kind of seeing how deep he's going to go diving with characters are we going to see morph from the uh. x-men comic or cartoon are we going to see some characters that have been long forgotten since the 90s like extreme huh. i'm even going to throw that one out there which is kind of deep diving it's really interesting to see how they've panned the books out but for the first month in the books have been worth picking up and they really haven't missed a step i would say in this brave new world of x-men like we said we hit the panel in new york comic-con it was awesome and the news coming out about Wolverine is going to be leading Wave 2, 
I wouldn't doubt we see more characters getting added, but I don't know if they're going to go ramp up the story or the new books so much, like to the point where it's over 10 books a month. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I kind of hope not. I kind of want to hope to keep it small and just really build off these brands, and maybe a Wolverine book would make sense. I don't know if they would you know, go try like a Gambit and Rogue book. I don't no. know if that would kind of stem. No. But it would be really interesting to see how this is all going to play out because with Hickman, we're playing the long game. Can this universe of Xavier maintain? We know that there's a book coming out with the Fantastic Four in the new year and how that's going to tie in the, the first interaction. And the only one after that, with the regular MCU rather, should I say, the only one after that that we know is coming is the Avengers. So that's going to be the real tipping point of where Hickman's story is going to go. But overall, it's been a great launch. Go to your local comic book shops. Go pick some up. Talk to the people down there. Go see our buddy Justin at Sound Go Round. He'll definitely point you in the right direction of some good books. But let us know what you think. What is your thoughts on the new X-Men comic line? Are you in love with it? Do you hate it? You're not reading it? And why? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. These days, comic book stories are more mainstream than ever. Unfortunately, not everybody has the means to be able to consume all of this greatness. Well, if you were to join me, Brian Wayne, on the Cheers to Comics podcast, I will help guide you through the rabbit hole that is comic books. Whether you're a brand new reader that just walked out of the latest blockbuster summer Marvel movie event and just have to know the source material or you're an old dog and just want to get a different perspective from another reader this is the podcast for you and when i say comic book podcast this is a comic book podcast no filler material i I save all of the the movie talk and all of the stuff outside of the illustrated written world of comic books for all of the other podcasts out there this is for comic book junkies and aspiring comic book junkies only so tune in with me brian wayne three times a week we'll be going over dozens and dozens of books in an overviewed fashion not necessarily a review manner but beyond that i hype you up every week on the books coming out on the the next week coming as well as a bonus episode and that could be anything from me dedicating an entire episode to uh, a single story arc or potentially even a kick-ass interview with a badass comic book creator. So if any or all of that tickles your little fancies, join me, Brian Wayne, and the rest of Slurred Nation on the Cheers to Comic Podcast as I kick back drinks and drop all types of comic book knowledge. Cheers. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Harley Hour Entertainment Edition. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one-shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first, a quick one. Uh, the first season of Netflix's next big show hasn't even dropped yet. Witcher, of course, is coming December 20th. Season 1, will all the episodes will be dropping on Netflix, starring Henry Cavill playing the title role of Geralt of Rivia. But it has been announced today by Netflix that it has been renewed for Season 2. 
Very good news. Very excited for that. Yeah, I was going to say, how are you feeling about that? That they're already pre-announcing before this the show is even dropped. Well, to me, that's a good sign that they like what they see. They think it's going to do really well because I, you know, that for in the past with shows like it gets greenlit before season of the first season even drops. I go, oh, it sounds like it's going to be good. And you know what? It usually is. Uh, other interesting news is we finally got a new look at the uh, updated, redone, better look of Sonic for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Of course, everyone might remember from, I want to say it was earlier this year, where they uh, Paramount Pictures came out with a teaser trailer for their live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and the entire planet had a collective what-the-fuck. Yeah. Because it was a god-awful abomination. You know, as someone who's... I'm not a diehard Sonic fan, but I've played my fair share of Sonic games having grown up with the Sega Genesis in my house. You know, I will definitely looked at it and go, how do you screw this up that bad? But luckily, the folks at Paramount heard the um, the collective reaction of everyone on the planet, took a step back, redid Sonic's look. I think they even brought in a gentleman who works on one of the Sonic cartoons and, and Sonic comics. Mm-hmm. And if you, you go to YouTube and you look up the updated look of Sonic, it looks a lot better. And it looks like what you would expect from the video game. So kudos to them for getting the work done and making it look great and i like the one that uh, reaction I, I saw online it put a picture of that up against uh the live action pikachu from detective pikachu and they're like up oh, one step closer to a super smash brothers uh, movie universe that would be incredible that'd be amazing i don't even know i'd be able to handle that but you know i think i applaud them for listening to the fan base yeah because usually it's kind of ignored and fell on deaf ears. Like, well, and especially the cost that, like, okay, he's the main character of the movie. It, it, it's he, he's in a lot of the movie. It's probably very, very costly to go back and, and especially, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to find like a side by side of the two trailers. How much they did because they didn't just redo his look; they redid some of like the scenes that he's in. You know, I, I'd almost be willing to wondering if they would put something out on the DVD or Blu-ray when it comes out of like the whole process of, you know, them putting it out and then the reaction reacting to, you know, seeing what their reactions was to people's reactions. And then the whole process of updating his look, it'd be very interesting, like a kind of inside baseball thing to see. Yeah, definitely. So going to have to wait to see when that one pops out. Yeah, no, it's going to be definitely interesting. Absolutely. So let me ask you this being the video game guy. Okay. Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Uh, I haven't played it yet, and I'm kind of glad I haven't because from what I've heard, there are people who enjoy it, uh, but a lot of people say it's kind of a UPS or a postal service simulator, hmm. that you're doing a lot of walking. I know stateside, it's been kind of heavily criticized, and overseas, it's gotten its praise, which has led to the, the game's director, Hideo Kojima, saying, oh, I don't think the U.S. just understands it, you know, but I mean... It's interesting, and it's got some interesting concepts, and and I like the idea of some of the stuff it introduces, where you're del- you're delivering these packages, and if you have too much and you're over encumbered, you got to be careful going down a hill because you might fall over and spill them and damage some of them. Mm. But just it sounds like way too much walking for me. Yeah, it. it I don't know. I've kind of heard mixed, and obviously you're the video game group, guru of the group here, right? So obviously, was it worth the hype? I don't know. It, it just so looks, I know IGN gave it like a six point eight out of ten. Yeah, I've like been trying to catch up with other podcast reviews on it, so I apologize. I'm still just like trying, you know, to really wrap my head around it because it just looks so different. Yeah, that I'm not like excited about say, it. It's it's also like it's one of those games where it's kind of like with Red Dead Redemption and just kind of the level of detail they put in it. I know there is a lot of detail in this game. There are some choices you can make for certain bodily functions, and I'll leave it at that. 
Oh, like Waterworld. Okay, <laughs> enough said there. So let's get into my one shots. All right, the big news for me is Titans Season 3 has ah. been officially announced for the DC Universe. So that is showing signs of life that they have not been fully absorbed in by HBO Max yet. Ooh. Yet being the key word. Yeah. But either way, to see Titans come back, the Season 2 has been very good. Um, I've been very happy with it. Um, they're kind of following more along the comic principles not sure. so much the storyline but either way it's been worth a watch and i think it's warranted as season three i'm excited for it i think it's a good sign for the dc universe i know the harley quinn trailer is dropping um for the animated version with kaylee kuoko uh honestly i i'm not too amped up about it yeah I, like i kind of with harley quinn unless she's written very well in a comic i'm not too excited to see other than a movie, the animated series, and like what they're going to do differently, like you got to show yeah. me a fresh take. I haven't really seen a lot thus far. Um, definitely going to give it a shot though and see what I think. But like for me, I'm more excited about the Margot Robbie. Um, movie oh yeah, up, yeah, that's going to be great. Which I know there's a lot of feedback about, and I think what I'm interested about is it's in the same vein as Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I think James Gunn is going to borrow a lot from this universe. and if I'm Mar- betting he's going to borrow Margot Robbie based off of some tweets he made. Right. So that's why I'm saying, like, I think it's bright. It's flashy. It's different. But this is what I want for my DC movies right now. Yeah. That I don't want a Snyderverse return, which I know I might catch some flack about. Oh, I think Snyder is all but done with the DC movies. Yes, until the cut is released. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole other rabbit hole we're not going to go down. Yeah. But either way, Titans coming back is a good thing. Doom Patrol Season 2 is coming. Hopefully more seasons after that. And then they do have the competition about throwing a pitch to them about different characters. Mm-hmm. So that being said, is there any characters you'd like to see added to the DC Universe? Batman Beyond. Oh, that's right. We've already talked about that. Yeah, Batman Beyond would be it's cool. It's my default answer. Yeah, it is your default answer for everything with Michael Keaton starring. Yeah, no, obviously. Yeah, or Kevin Conroy. Uh, I you know what I'd accept that too. Either or would work. Yeah, give me a coin. I'll take either one. Yeah, but I know the submission deadline is coming up soon, so dcuniverse.com for more information on that. Now this week there was no new Arrow or Flash, so yes. I've actually been catching up on Supergirl and Batwoman. Okay. Now Supergirl has definitely gone in different directions. Uh, I know they're tying into the Leviathan storyline a little bit. Um, it's kind of interesting where they're going, but I also kind of have the same vibe that we know so much is coming with Crisis that I'm not trying to get too attached to this. But I do like the steps they've taken. Obviously, Lena Luthor has a very unique storyline going on with her. Um, and obviously, falling on the heels of Lex last season, her character has definitely taken a different change. And going forward, Supergirl is just getting ready for the upcoming crisis that's coming as well, which that is due first week of December. Yep. So obviously we're going to hype that up a little bit more on here. So it's going to be interesting to see how she pans out with the new characters they've added to the supporting roles. It's been a fun show thus far, though. Like I, I say, it's it's kind of grown on me a little bit, and I'm definitely deep diving into it. Same with Batwoman. I've checked out a couple episodes there. I, once they finally got away from her origin and really started delving into her character, I think it's picked up a bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I've started getting into it. And from what I'm hearing about this past week's episode – they dive into some of Batman's rogues, and you kind of find out where they are in the Arrowverse. Um, so, well, because I know they've hinted at a few. Like, there was one episode I forget which one they outright hinted at the Riddler, right? But I've heard a couple get thrown out there, so I don't want to spoil it because I haven't seen it yet. But I've I've had some people tweet me and say you should really check this out, 
and you're going to be happily surprised with some of the names that get mentioned. So I think Batwoman is getting better, and obviously, like I say, the March for Crisis is coming. Yep. So everybody else is going. Black Lightning, I've started catching up on too, so haven't watched enough to really give you an opinion, um, but I always think that that's been a good show, and really interesting to see where they're going with Season 3. So that being said, Comic Picks of the Week, Event Leviathan 6, since we were talking Supergirl, is coming out. Allegedly, we were going to find out who's the mastermind behind everything there. It was me, Austin. It was me. I'll, oh, sorry. Wrong universe. Quite possibly could be. I wouldn't doubt Vince McMahon running in there, but we'll have to, <laughs> I, like I say, I Greatest don't. crossover ever. Oh, uh, it would be something. And then I've got to keep an eye out for, I'm not sure if this is the week that we find out that Superman reveals his secret identity in Norma Clark Kent. Um, I don't think so. I think that might be later. All right. Could be wrong. Yeah, I got to definitely catch up on that. So that's kind of my picks for DC this week. For Marvel, Fallen Angels is coming out and X-Men number two. And Guardians of the Galaxy 11 actually is coming out too with Donny Cates. His run is slowly coming to an end. I think it's got one more issue. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so definitely hit your local comic book shops up or check out, you know, comic podcasts like Cheers to Comics. You know, Brian does an awesome job with that. So if you really want to get some reviews, Definitely a place to go check out. And like I say, there's nothing that beats going to your local comic book shop, showing some support, meeting some friends, getting the knowledge from everybody that works there because you want to talk about a passionate fan base. Nobody better than walking into your local comic shop and talking comics, talking TV, talking movies. We do it a lot, and that's why we kind of do a little podcast based off it. So the music you heard on this week's episode is that of Shout at the Robots, who have got a big gig coming out Thanksgiving Eve locally. So if you want to find out more about that, head over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Hit the music section. You can find the links to all their social media. You can find out links to Floodlands, Honker, Walking Distance, Fair City Fire, all the great music you hear. Plus, you can also hit over to Hashtag 607 Podcast. Catch up with the Three Fat Nerds. And, you know, we did the crossover episode about wrestling this week, so that's going to be a monthly Hashtag 607 Podcast crossover. Rich and I dived into AEW Full Gear, NXT's Slowly But Surely Takeover, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and so much more. You can also find out about 8122 Productions. They're on Patreon now, so you should definitely throw some cash towards them. You get some exclusive content that, Pad, are you ready for Love is Spooky? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, no, I don't know. Nobody's re- nobody's ready for, um, or Love is Scary, rather, with Spooky Mike from Horror Zone 607 and Dr. Derek. That was announced on the wrestling show, so that's not a spoiler. That is going to be must-listen-to patreon content so definitely head over 8122productions.com you can find out all about that you can find out about horror zone 607 you can check out photography by mike blakesley little friend of the show there he's got a lot going on if cosplay photos costober is over but definitely not forgotten so many downloads going on to that we can't say thank you enough and you can also check out on ochoduroparleyhour.com parlay points the complimentary blogs to the podcast in between shows we got a lot going on there so we also want to give a quick shout-out to everybody that is pod-rating us from Next Wave. What's going on, guys? A uh, special shout-out to Matt from Imaginary Ramblings and Lit Gaming Arena, who runs the alternate reality radio list on Podchaser. If you're in a podcast, you've got to claim your podcast from podchaser.com and definitely make sure to check out the list of alternate reality radio. So many great podcasts that you hear promos on this podcast all the time about. I would say 95% of all the promos you hear are from Next Wave. Great podcast that you definitely need to add to your listening experience because the quality is so good. You're missing out if you're not downloading. That's all we got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. I have spoken. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 